This is Invest Talk. Independent thinking, shared success. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Chief Executive Officer, Financial Advisor, Justin Klein. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Tuesday, August 22nd, 2023 edition. I'm Justin Klein, and I am here ready to help you, help you become a better investor. And we are moving swiftly through the month of August. We are about a month away from the end of summer. I know kids are going back to school already, either last week or this week. And, you know, there's a lot on people's minds when it comes to the economy as a whole, the broader market. Uh, obviously, we're experiencing some near-term volatility, as uh, you should kind of expect this time of year. And the bigger question, is it mild, run-of-the-mill volatility? Or will it snowball on itself? And volatility tends to do that, especially when positioning is extreme one way or the other. Now, as we enter the last week, uh, weeks, uh, I guess days, shall we say, trading days of August and into September, you should be prepared and have a plan. Knowing that you know, more volatility, there's a decent chance of that. Does that mean you panic? Does that mean you sell out every, everything? Or do you just keep buying as things go down? Well, the answer is, for most people, somewhere in the middle. And that's what I talk about with the gray area. When times are good, you know, a month ago, people felt good about the market. Sentiment had shifted, I wouldn't say all the way back to bullish, but pretty bullish overall. People were optimistic. And that's the nature of how markets ebb and flow. With sentiment vacillating between bearishness and bullishness with liquidity becoming abundant and then more scarce. And there are underlying factors to that those liquidity dynamics that if you want to understand where the market is likely to go in the near term, you kind of have to understand that. It can be complex, but that typically drives the market's one way or the other in the short term. A lot of people want to say it's the economy. And typically, the economy is actually driving policy that ultimately will determine liquidity in the near term. So I know that's complex, but that's the way it is. I know we want to believe it's just going to be based on how the economy is moving. But we know that the Fed is a powerful a powerful body, 
all the central banks of the world have power to create dollars, to create money, shall we say, and thus liquidity. And so some of these, these are some of the background factors that you have to be at least aware of so that you're not caught up in the ebbs and flows of near-term market moves. For example, if the Fed is going to raise interest rates or keep them high for longer than the market's expecting, well, long-term rates are going to go up. And what does that do? It means bond prices are going down. And a lot of people own bonds. And what are bonds used for? Well, income. But in many cases, because bonds are relatively steady, especially treasury bonds, right, there's not credit risk there, they're used as collateral. So if the value of those bonds go down due to duration risk, less collateral, less ability to borrow, maybe some margin calls out there to get to raise some cash, etc. And that shrinks liquidity. So that's one example of something you need to be aware of in the near term. And so I bring this up because if you're unaware of what is moving the market in the near term, you can get caught up in the hype or the pessimism. And so inflections in those liquidity dynamics can have can mean big turns in the markets. So these are the factors on the ground that you have to focus on to a degree in the near term. But long term, it's about developing a plan, a strategy, the type of assets that you want to own, the type of companies that you want to own. Because long term, it's about earnings, cash flow, dividends that investors are receiving as shareholders or bondholders. And it can be a challenge to develop that strategy and keep your eye towards it consistently over time and not getting too caught up in the wiggles. So I'm here to help you do all that. I'm going to provide you with some useful data as well as my unbiased perspective developed with over 20 years of investment experience. And you play an important role on today's show, as usual, and that is submitting your finance and investment questions. And we do that to help you strengthen your portfolio and that strategy. So let's get started. I'm ready to take your questions right now, but you have to call. The Invest Talk phone line never closes. It's 888 chart Now, my main focus point looks in the story behind this question. Should manufacturing in space startups be in on your investment radar? Manufacturing in space. Yes, that's something that is happening to a degree. Not talked about a lot. And we're going, I want to I highlight it just simply because it hasn't been hyped yet. It probably will be hyped. And you have to know how to handle that hype and the realities around it. Okay. So we're going to look at that. Also, the job market is shifting. And there's some underlying data on new hires that is sending a signal that, you know, that tight labor market that we've had for 
three plus years now, starting to shift. And we'll look at that data. And then commercial real estate. Commercial real estate in some parts is having trouble. But in a surprising area, and we talk about this with REITs, people call about REITs all the time, want to buy mortgage REITs because they're chasing yield. Uh, they, they might want to buy industrial REITs or uh, a retail REIT or maybe an apartment REIT. And we're going to talk about one slice that is surprisingly strong over the past couple of years. And then lastly, could the era of Historically low interest be over, and we're going to look at that and what the Fed officials are saying in regards to that as well. All right. So we have all this planned for today's episode of Invest Talk. We also have your voice bank questions to play. One is on Eastman Kodak and the other on Hershey's and an iTunes review question as well. And of course, most importantly, your live calls at 888-99-CHART. Now let's take a look at the market today. It was a modest down day after a nice little bounce off support on Friday and yesterday. And the large caps were down about a quarter of a percent, mid caps down about a third of a percent, and small caps down a little bit more than that. So kind of your standard day where large caps outperformed those smaller cap, mid caps and, smaller, and small caps on a down day. And it'll be interesting to see how this evolves over the next few weeks. This is a very important time to see if the market is going to break these support levels and bring a heightened sense of volatility to the market. Or is this your, just your garden variety pullback that doesn't mean a whole lot in the grand scheme of things? So far, it's the latter, but it certainly could turn into the former over these next couple of weeks, but it kind of needs to do that in order for us to, to see more uh, more downside, you know, beyond maybe 4,200 on the S&P. Right now we're at 43, a little, little shy of 4,400. So that's kind of where we're at. Now, as we head into a break, let me tell you about the new variety of value-added content we are publishing on our YouTube channel. You may have watched the episode of, uh, an episode on the Sector Spotlight, but we have a new one. It's called Invest Talk Classroom, and this is on Deferred Sales Trust. It's a legal and time-tested option to help businesses and real estate owners sell their biz- assets and deferred, ca- and deferred capital gains taxes, and it's important for all of those that have a lot and maybe, you know, maybe not want to hold them. Uh, for the long term, but still want to defer that tax. So watch and learn more about the many benefits of Deferred Sales Trusts over on our YouTube channel. Now streaming free on the Invest Talk YouTube channel, just search Invest Talk Classroom. Now the phone lines are open, waiting for your questions at 888-99-CHART. When listener questions are played on the Invest Talk podcast, how do you guys determine a value stock? The caller voices are amplified many thousands of times. Just wanted to get your opinion on JP Morgan and BAC. How do you see this uh, looking forward? I'm 25 years old and have a question about retirement funds. And the unbiased answers from Justin Klein. That's why it's trading so cheap because there's a lot of regulatory risk. Here. And Steve Peasley. I, I kind of like it here. If I was going to buy Tyson Food, this is where I'd buy it. 
benefit the entire Invest Talk community. Thank you for what you guys do. That's why 24-7, rain or shine, no matter how simple or how complex, your questions make a difference. Symbol BKE, what's your outlook? And Invest Talk is made better by the power of you. So don't forget to call 888 99Chart. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are ready to answer your finance and investment questions. Call Invest Talk 99 Chart. Hey, stupid question. So in a Roth IRA, what is referred to as the maximum that you can put in there a year, depending on your age, is 6,500. Are you allowed to put more than that in, or is that like the, the maximum amount you can write off? What are the details on that? I'm a little confused on it. Thank you. Bye. Well, yeah, that's the maximum that you can put in to a Roth IRA. Now, remember, Roth IRA, it's not a tax write-off. That is post-tax money. Now, you aren't taxed in the future on any money you take out. You can take out your contributions at any time after the five-year mark of that Roth IRA being established. And so I like, if I'm going to say, should I open a, should you open a Roth or a regular IRA? I would say Roth uh, more times than not. Uh, but once again, it's not a tax write-off now. Now, if you're in a high tax bracket, it makes sense to try to get the write-off in an IRA, but there are limits to that. There are some tax limits on Roth contributions as well as the deductibility of traditional IRA contributions. So you want to talk to your CPA about that and where you land there. Uh, so uh, yeah, hope that that helps. Uh, you can make non-tax deductible traditional IRA contributions, but once again, it's non-tax deductible, so you have to keep track of that, and that can be uh, quite complex, okay? So hope that answered your questions. All right, now let's talk a bit about in-space manufacturing, and this sounds like science fiction, but it's actually happening already. Now, on a very small scale, mostly t testing and proof-of-concept type of uh, endeavors, but Space offers a very unique environment for manufacturing certain types of materials and for R&D because of higher levels of radiation, which can be helpful in certain instances, microgravity and near vacuumless states allow companies uh, to test out new manufacturing methods and potentially develop materials that are not possible here on Earth. And the International Space Station has already experimented with these concepts from universities, government agencies, and commercial customers. And they're doing things like growing human tissue, making pure semiconductors, and developing new and better drugs. So after the break, we are going to touch on this a little bit further and where the potential investment opportunities might lie. Now, we're going into a quick break, so remember, you can call and leave your questions on the Invest Talk Voice Bank at any time, or you can call our number during our live stream at 888-99-CHART.
one of the most rewarding things I do each weekday is host the Invest Talk podcast. I truly enjoy helping investors, and I know that every question counts and every answer I provide will be unbiased. You, the caller, get to chart the course for each Invest Talk podcast. Call with your questions anytime, day or night, 888 99Chart. And before the break, we talked a bit about how the International Space Station has played host to a lot of experiments from government agencies, commercial customers, as well as universities to do things like grow human tissue, make pure semiconductors, and develop new drugs. And there are some space, some startups that are looking to expand on this and develop new ways of manufacturing basically certain raw materials that you can't do here on Earth. One company is Varda Space Industries. It's here in Southern California. And what it's trying to do is develop or improve drugs and call it new drug therapies that take advantage of the type of properties that can only be type of materials that can only be made in space. And it's it's a phenomenon called protein crystallization. And these structures can't be produced here on Earth. And their thought process is they can develop the inputs, not basically the active pharmaceutical ingredients, not the whole drug, right? Not the whole pill, just the actual pharmaceutical ingredient, and then bring it back down to earth, put it into the, into the traditional manufacturing process and come up with therapies that are more effective, have less side effects, uh, et cetera. So that's their endeavor. Another is out of Wales, so the UK, it's called uh, Space Forge, and it's working on designing its own in-space factory to manufacture next-generation uh, semiconductors with the same type of thought process, creating chips that are more refined, and or at least the inputs that are more refined, and improve performance over all of the semiconductor. And it's about creating that perfect crystal in space that... Uh, is is basically flawless. And so it's pretty interesting to see that this is something, I don't think it's on a lot of people's radars. Now, is this investable now? No. But it probably should be on your radar for companies that could do this. Now, the question is, when will it be viable? Yes, you can go do it, but obviously traveling to space, going through this manufacturing process, testing it multiple times would be very expensive, take a lot of capital in a time when capital is becoming more and more expensive. So do I think this will eventually happen? Absolutely. Uh, at scale, I, I do. But it's probably going to be a decade plus from now until this is actually used on a, a large scale. Because not only is it about figuring out the process, but it's about developing the end product and you can only produce so much at a certain you know a certain time as uh, the facilities are in space and then it's about testing and, and finding a use case for them and and i think that's going to take some time especially because of the complexity of that technology as well as the cost of capital so very interesting space i love i love hearing about these stories and the future of innovation but ultimately, in this environment, I don't think that's going to get off the ground, pun intended, uh, anytime soon. 
All right. Now, when people take the time to leave an Invest Talk podcast review on iTunes, we like to thank them for the courtesy by getting to their questions quickly. Beirut Don says, just curious your thoughts on these two REITs, AMT and CCI. Both are down big off their highs. And mostly U.S. Play and American Tower is more global. Yeah, Crown Castle is U.S. Play. American Tower is more global. And both seem to be poised for 5G growth. Curious if both are good buys now. Now, here's the issue with both of these names. They are, they, they were highly valued. Their multiples were much higher than the broad REIT industry. And then suddenly, growth slowed dramatically. The last four quarters, sales growth has been in the single digits. And the good thing I would say is, at least you're back down to reasonable levels. Crown Castle was over $200 per share when growth stocks peaked out in late 2021. Pretty much at the end of 2021, it was trading over $200 per share. And it's been cut in half and more. It's at 98 and change today. Whereas American Tower, AMT, that one peaked out a little bit before Crown Castle, around $300 per share, and now it's at $175. So it's not down quite as much. And like you said, AMT is a bit more global, a bit more diversified, and that's probably why. But also sales are growing and earnings are actually declining or funds from operation are actually uh, in decline as well. So... What I will say is you're certainly getting much closer to fair value. I will give you some numbers on supports for each. Crown Castle, major support around $86 per share. Now we're at 98 in change. So I think there's still some more downside to go. And then on AMT, that support is more like down around 128, 128. So, and now we're at 175. So I think Crown AMT has a little bit more downside. Crown Castle is getting closer to where I would think about picking it up. And, you know, the issue here is really for both is that debt. They both are, have been borrowing and spending in order to expand their footprint and that means a lot of leverage for their their uh, operations and i think that's another aspect that's uh, pushing their valuations down so i would be very careful i wouldn't be quick to be buying these i'd be very patient on them but i do think at some point probably next year or so they will be cheap enough to buy now in the next invest talk we'll look into the story behind this question is value investing as cheap as ever been that story tomorrow but for now give me a call at 888-99-CHART let's say You've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture? I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in, patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. 
you really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. Justin Klein is here and ready to take your calls live. Invest Talk, 888 99Chart. Hey, Stephen Justin, this is Art from Tucson. I'm looking at uh, Eastman Chemical Company, EMN. Um, I have a position in this company. I've had it for a while now. It's been trading more or less sideways since last fall. Right now, it's just about at its 200 day moving average. And um, I'm wondering what you think about this stock, if I should add to it or cut my, my losses, which aren't, aren't too substantial at this time. Wondering what you think about its technical and, and fundamental situation at this point. And I'll listen on the podcast. Appreciate all you do for us. Thank you. Bye. All right, well, I'll start with the technicals. And the technicals certainly are not exciting. They are probably neutral to bearish, moderately bearish overall. I'm looking at a monthly chart. You had a big wide-ranging breakdown in September of last year, and it's been chopping sideways really ever since, like you said. And that is bearish bearish action. Bearish bearish action. Why can't I speak? Bearish action. There we go. Wow. Um, and if you're looking at the fundamentals, the earnings for from analysts are going down as well. So earnings this year expect to be down 14% from last year. And that trend continues to weaken. Revenue last quarter was down 17%. Earnings down 30%. They do have a decent amount of debt in their balance sheet. Nice dividend, 3.8%. And trading at a below market multiple around 13. But that's based on current earnings. You go forward, that's closer to 15. So... I, I would probably move on. I don't think this has great growth prospects. It has decent amount of debt on its balance sheet. Its earnings trends are not good. And I think you just find better. So it's not absolutely terrible. It's not necessarily overvalued. I just don't like the trends in the chart or in earnings. And that's why I would sell it and move on. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about the jobs market. And we've been saying for a while that the jobs market is relatively strong. But you're starting to continue to see data points that indicate the jobs market is not really that strong. One example that I always follow is companies like ZipRecruiter. If they're not doing very well, then that means people are not, or companies are not out there hiring at a, an aggressive pace, which they were last year. But last quarter, 
sales for ZipRecruiter were down 29%. And if you look at the data of new hires, the amount of salary offer continues to go down. And that's after you know, a huge boom in salaries over the past couple of years, and that's starting to mean revert. Postings for more than 20,000 jobs titles on ZipRecruiter this year, if you look at those, the average pay for a majority of the roles has declined year over year. Now, the steepest drops, what sectors? Technology and transportation. And this is a huge turnaround. The July survey of about 2,000 employers conducted by online hiring platform ZipRecruiter said nearly half had reduced their pay for recent job openings. And the biggest drops, once again, are in technology, transportation, also arts and entertainment, business and manufacturing. The ones that are up from last year, education, healthcare is pretty much in line. And then animal care, interesting enough, that one is up more than uh, any other sector. Maybe it's because of all of the, I know I got a uh, pandemic dog, so all the pets during that time. But new hires account for less than 4% of all employed wor workers each month, so it hasn't really fed through to wages because, once again, these are uh, it's hard to cut someone's wages after you've already hired them. But new hires, you can cut their wages easier. So that's really the long and short of it. And it just shows you that uh, I think the end of the rate hikes from the Fed are probably closer than most people think. Let's go to Roger in San Francisco, wants to look at Masco. Yeah. I, so, yeah, I wanted to look into uh, stock from the industrial sector, and I came across uh, Masco. Uh, looking uh, from a 10,000 foot level, the numbers look good for me, but I wanted to know what's your take on this. Uh, well, we've looked at Masco as well. We like the company overall, but we don't like the economic environment that it's heading into. Uh, and for everyone else out there, Masco manufactures a variety of home improvement and building products. They have a plumbing segment that's Delta Faucets, for example. They also have uh, Bear Paints and Kills Brands. So it's really all around the home. And obviously, the higher cost of capital, there's not the cash out refinancing that's happening, remodeling, et cetera. And the boom in new manufacturing, that's certainly helped them a little bit. But that's starting to roll over as well. So this is one of those names. Uh, it's a very good business, very good company. But the recent trends in the chart make me a bit worried. And the fact that those home builders are starting to peak out as well. They've started to roll over. So this is one to keep on your watch list. But I would hold off for now until there's some green shoots in the housing market. Maybe rates coming back down to more reasonable levels. That could spur more ref, uh, refinancing activity, uh, remodeling activity, home flipping, things like that. Uh, and And that's really the issue here. So... Certainly on the watch list, decent value, decent company, or very good company. I want to say decent, very good company. But I would hold off 
for the time being. Make sense, Roger? All right. Thanks for the call. Let's grab another caller question from 888-99-CHART. Hi, Stephen Justin. I would love to get your take on Hershey. Symbol is H-S-Y. Looks like it's trading near its 52-week lows. And just wondering if you thought it was uh, a reasonable company to invest in. And if so, what you thought a, a good buy point would be. Thank you. All right. This is Hershey. I don't think anybody has to, anybody needs me to explain what Hershey does. But the issue here are the technicals. They continue to get worse and worse and worse. I can't remember what really surged the stock higher uh, earlier this year. It went from around these levels, around 215, all the way to 275. And for Hershey, a company that is big, blue chip established, that's a huge move. And that's reversed in a big, big way in just the matter of, let's see, one, two, three, four months peaked out at the very end of April. And technically, that does not look good. Okay, that is a very bearish sign. And then if you look at the multiples that it's trading at, enterprise value to EBITDA is around 19. Historically, that's tends to trade closer to the mid-teens. So I think there's still some room on the downside there. If you go to something like price-to-book ratio, it's at about 12 times. And historically, that is relatively cheap. So I, I do like that. And the good thing is they don't have a lot of debt on their balance sheet. But the technicals just are not there. It is it's one of the worst relative strengths over the past four months in the market. And that would worry me a great deal. Now, let's take a look at where support will come in. 205, that's going to be pretty decent support. But 160 is my level. 160 is at 213. So at 160, I think you can pick up Hershey's. And, you know, this is one of those names where there's a lot of ancillary stuff in the background. The Hershey Trust owns a bunch of shares and what they do and they decide can move the stock. Uh, but but overall, it's just trading at too expensive levels for me at the moment. The technicals are too poor. But at 160, this is a name to pick up. All right. This is Invest Talk now with more than 55 million downloads in our history, thanks to you. Let's keep things moving and play three in a row from 888 chart. Hey, Stephen, Justin. This is Tarun. I am calling from San Francisco Bay Area. I had a question on CBF Health, ticker symbol C, Charlie, Victor, Sierra, CBS. After the recent earnings, annual forecast, they are trading down quite a bit, but it seems like it's undervalued at this time after the drop. So I was just wondering if it is a good time to start a position considering, you know, 2024 onward their earnings are coming back on track. So yeah, I just wanted to get your best opinion on the stock. I'll be looking for thanks a lot for all you guys do. All right, CVS Health, and you're absolutely right. It is cheap. Now, it's cheap if they don't lose a whole lot more business to companies like Amazon going after their pharmacy benefit management business. And it is the largest pharmacy benefit management company in the world, processes over $2 billion claims annually. And this is after it purchased uh, Caremark 
uh, back in the day. And that's what this recent drop is. So that's your, that's what you have to decide. How much will their business change? And how will they pivot? Now, they, they have pivoted to purchasing Aetna. So they are, in some ways, a health insurer, along with having the pharmacy benefit side and the drugstore retail side. And they recently acquired Oak Street for primary care services to add to this mix. And that's why they've changed to CVS Health. It's more about healthcare. They stopped selling cigarettes, things like that. And so they're, they're looking for avenues of growth. Now, they have a decent amount of debt in their balance sheet, but they have very robust robust cash flows. About $17 billion in free cash flow on a market cap of only $86 billion. That is cheap. Price to free cash flow, right at about five times. But once again, it's about the trajectory of that cash flow and that earnings. So that's your decision. You have to really uh, understand that industry. Now, we think that they're adjusting well, uh, their cash flows are solid, and they're not going to lose much business on the pharmacy benefit side. And I think it's cheap. I think it's worthwhile, but it's certainly risk there because of that debt, because of the changing dynamics within the healthcare industry. Now, moving quickly through the third quarter, and Steve and I have been telling you for a while now, we are in a new market environment. And for serious investors, you need to adjust your thinking and your strategy to fit the times. So let me remind you that here on Invest Talk and at our company, KPP Financial, we operate with the same philosophy, which is independent thinking and shared success. What does that mean? Well, it means we provide unbiased guidance, both on and off air. And we practice parallel investing, which means we invest right alongside our clients. So if you want to take advantage of our free portfolio review assessment via telephone or go to meetings, you can send up that through our website at besttalk.com. Just click on the portfolio review button on the top right, or you can give our office a call at 800-557-5461. Yeah, we have an 800 number. We've been around since 93. So uh, <clears throat> we've, we've had that one for a long time. So we'd love to help you. Uh, just give us a call. The sooner you contact us, the sooner you can, we can help you get your portfolio op- optimized. All right, now let's pivot over to the bright spot in the commercial real estate market, and that is actually retailers. Believe it or not, retailers are on track to open 1,000 net new stores in the U.S. this year, and retail availability is near record lows. Yeah. Can you believe that? And landlords are saying that demand for retail space is been pretty robust, even though we have inflation, higher interest rates, and liquidations of companies like Bed Bath & Beyond. And this is a product of a few things. One is, after the financial crisis, there weren't a lot of retail buildings being built. Saw the writing on the wall with Amazon, and there was just an oversupply of retail space. But over time, over the last basically 15 years, that has corrected itself. And so that oversupply has been digested. And then companies are more able to use data to pinpoint and have more confidence in store traffic and the success of stores. 
And then digitally native companies are saying, well, we're maxed out on our online customer base. We need some brick and mortar stores and they're opening stores. So as of mid-August, nearly 4,500 new retail locations were opening while only 3,500 were shutting. And nationwide, the rate of available retail space fell to 4.8% in the second quarter, the lowest level in 18 years, whereas the office market, it's at 18.2 vacancy rate, the th- a 30-year high. And what's where's the strength? Shopping centers in suburban markets. So a lot of companies are moving out of urban business districts, downtowns, into the suburbs. And that's where the strength is. And asking rents are up 6.3% since the second quarter of 2020. And I think that's very interesting. The biggest weakness in the retail space, low-end malls, C-class malls. And that's where there's been $942 million in sales of distressed properties this year. Two-thirds of those involve mall properties. High-end malls, outdoor malls, they're doing actually very, very well. So very interesting and, and you know, even sub sectors of the retail REIT space are important to understand as well. And those are the dynamics. All right. Now we're heading into our final break. So give me a call now at 888-99-CHART. Each day, Invest Talk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. This is Kevin from La Crescenta, California. Thanks again for the great shows and all the knowledge you two have been sharing. My portfolio for many years has been overweight growth and tech, but uh, I've been much more focused on value and have been investing all of the new money I've been putting into that side of the market. But I know that I made that pivot much later than I should have. You've mentioned on the show before that when people stop calling and asking about these high-growth companies and stocks, uh, that's the time to get back into them. But besides this subjective indicator, what are some events or economic signs that you'll be looking for that will make you feel like uh, growth might start to outperform the overall market again, when to shift focus again? I don't want to be late to to make that change next time around. I appreciate it, uh, and we'll be listening for your answer on the show. Thank you. Well, the main factor would be interest rates. So long-duration assets. That's what growth stocks are. They're long-duration assets because the actual earnings and cash flows are years into the future for the vast majority of them. And even if they're profitable today, the market's pricing in that that growth or that earnings will, will be far out in the future and then discount it to today. And so when the discount rate, such as the 10-year treasury rate, goes up, then the value of those assets go down today. And that's what happened in a big, big way last year. And you're starting to see a resurgence in interest rates right now. So as long as interest rates are in a general uptrend, 
then that's going to weigh heavily on the growth side of the market. Also, a strong dollar. So strong dollar means a tougher economy for growth because our products and services globally are more expensive. A weaker dollar tends to mean higher growth, higher consumption, higher GDP domestically. And so a strong dollar also is a factor that says, okay, growth should outperform. Because if the economy isn't growing nominally very well, then the market's going to seek out growth elsewhere. And that's probably one of the reasons why over the past three months, even though rates have gone up, the dollar's also gone up. So it's kind of balanced each other out. And you've seen kind of the growth to value trade trend sideways and a little bit down for growth, but not dramatically so. So that's what, those are the two main factors that you want to look at. But an inflationary environment, a secularly inflationary environment, which we believe we're just starting, what typically happens? Nominal growth. And when I say growth, I mean nominal growth, not just real growth. Nominal growth in the economy tends to be higher. And interest rates tend to go up. And the dollar tends to go down. So those are the two main factors that you want to take a look at. All right, let's squeeze in one more. Hi, Steve or Justin. I wanted to get your opinion on Fulgent Genetics, ticker symbol FLGT. FLGT. I've held them for about over two years now. I'm up about 33%. I was wondering if you would trim or sell it all. Thank you. All right. This is Fulgent Genetics, developed flexible and affordable genetic testing and advanced genetic diagnostic tools. They made a bunch of money in 2021, but now they expect to lose 95 cents this year and 89 cents next year. Revenues are down 46% year over year. It looks like they got a big boost from COVID, but that's going away. I'm not sure exactly what they offer, uh, but I don't like the trends in the business. I would absolutely be selling this. You don't want companies that are losing money in a time when interest rates are high and the cost of capital is expensive. So sell and move on. All right. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening, and we encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads, which you can find anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And be sure to rate and review on iTunes as well. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Invest Talk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. 
Steve Peasley is president, and Justin Klein is chief executive officer of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial. Thank you for listening, and your comments and questions are welcome on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART. Thank you.